gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, I spoke with Jamie Goldstein, the Vice President of Marketing, Communications, and Events at the Greater Columbus Arts Council. We discussed the organization and how it's funded, the difference between being an art advocate and an artist advocate, their non-competitive grants program, their new office and gallery space, how the arts community has the opportunity to engage and uplift marginalized communities, and the importance of public art. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Also, the Confluence Cast is on Patreon. Find out how to support this podcast on our website, theconfluencecast.com, or at patreon.com slash confluence. Funny enough, the Confluence Cast is sponsored this week by Art Makes Columbus, Columbus Makes Art, featuring stories about our city's incredible artists, stories full of inspiration, challenge, passion, and success. For videos, articles, an up-to-the-minute calendar of events, and an artist directory, visit columbusmakesart.com, the resource for all things arts and culture in the capital city. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here virtually with Jamie Goldstein, the Vice President of Marketing, Communications, and Events for the Greater Columbus Arts Council, better known as GCAC. Jamie, how are you? I'm well, Tim. It's nice to be here with you virtually. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for taking the time. For those that are not super familiar, can you give sort of the elevator speech on what GCAC is and does? Absolutely. Um, The Greater Columbus Arts Council is your local arts council. (laughs) There are local arts councils all over the country. Uh, Mm -hmm. They they do varying things and not all of them do what we do. Um, But I think what we do is pretty special. Um, primarily we're a funder. Um, we receive funding from the city of Columbus, Franklin County, mm-hmm. and, um, the city of Columbus is both the hotel motel bed tax, uh, which we okay. share with, with, which we share with experience Columbus and the convention center and human services. And then, um, the 5% admissions fee that we got passed in late 2018, which mm-hmm. really hasn't been realized due to the pandemic, uh, but is starting to come back. And really, that's that's going to be a game changer. That's really what will allow us to, to take Columbus arts and the nonprofit creative sector to the next level. And just in the interest of, I don't know if this is full disclosure, but how big of, of funding are we talking about that you guys manage? So the bed tax, I believe, comes in you know, in 2019, which was, which was its top year, uh, mm-hmm. 7.2 million in 2019, okay. um, from the bed tax and then the admissions tax, which really didn't get going, went into effect July of 2019. So we had half a year of that. And that was about a million. Um, okay. uh, and then the County, uh, provides us funding each year. And uh, the majority of those funds go back out into the community to organizations, nonprofit organizations and projects and events and festivals and then to individual artists as well. And in 2020, that 
part of that took the form of the Emergency Artist Relief Fund that we uh, set up to help artists with basic needs um, at the mm -hmm. height of the pandemic. So we don't normally fund rent and food, medical bills, but that those monies, um, which were mostly privately supported, were really um, essential to artists uh, during, you know, when all the gigs were getting canceled, when all the, yeah. you know, when everybody was just like, what's going to happen next and reeling. We support about 90 organizations and projects each year. Mm -hmm. uh, and part of that is operating support grants. Uh, so the, the large institutions you're familiar with, like the Columbus Museum of Art, and COSI, and Franklin Park Conservatory, uh, those folks get funding from us. And then everything from, you know, the... Um, Smaller galleries like Roy G. Biv uh, and, mm -hmm. and festivals like Summer Jam West uh, and Southeast Asian uh, Theater Festival. We, we really, you know, we, we, are, we try and provide the community with as much support as possible to, to really engage the broadest possible audience. Yeah, and you guys are sort of at a high level. You're a grant-making organization. You run the Columbus Arts Festival. We do that too. And then you sort of have, uh, for for lack of a better term, lower tier sort of initiatives and things that you do. Yeah, I'd call them uh, ancillary resources, I guess. So things That's like. A better way of putting it. <laughs> things like the Columbus Makes Art uh, campaign um, and the passport program we're going to do this fall, which I know we'll talk about in a minute. And uh, things like the Community and Street Performer database, which we. Um, do matching funds with entities like Pearl Market and the airport and North Market and pay buskers to perform in public mm -hmm. and outdoor spaces. Um, that's a pretty unique program in the country, actually. Yeah, I do want to highlight here that you guys, if you are going to fund or be involved in a program, you're very explicit with the actual exhibiting institution or, or organization that's putting on, putting it on. You have to pay artists. Oh, absolutely. You, can't, that is you can't expect them to do this for free or even say, uh, well, they're busking, so they'll be getting money from people on the street. You guys have sort of drawn a line in the sand and said, that's not okay. You don't get to sort of offer exposure it for work. You are you are absolutely correct there. In fact, I still get calls, usually at least one a week, um, mm -hmm. from people who you know want us to help connect them with artists. And my first question is, what's your budget? Oh, yep. well, if they're going to get great exposure, then I'm sorry, <laughs> I can't help you. Because <laughs> yeah. exposure does not put meals on the table nor pay rent or, or any of those things that are, you know, it... I like to say that we're not just arts advocates at GCAC, we're artist advocates. It's about changing the mindset about the value of creative contributions to our community. And artists are essential to our to our vitality, to our well-being, to our soul. I think this past year particularly has really brought that home for all mm -hmm. of us. Um, and when I talk to people about you know how much they missed live performance, how much they missed um, being able to walk into the museum, um, it really hits me that our work makes a difference. And that means the world to me. Absolutely. I'm going to get all, see, I'm getting all over clamped when I think about it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's important. And, and we really want people to respect and understand that artists work their butts off. I mean, they were one of the hardest hit sectors in the, in the pandemic, uh, as hard as travel and leisure. Um, mm -hmm. and then you have to, and then you have to pile on the fact that many of them are, were, are hustling, have two and three jobs. And a lot mm -hmm. of times that's in the service industry in some kind, which also got slammed. And yep. so, um, you know, we, we really want to be a support system for artists here in Columbus. And, and I regularly have artists say, 
you know, one of the reasons I stay in Columbus is because GCAC supports artists. Um, we are only, you know, I think it might be around half of the local arts councils in the country support artists. Um, but it, only a portion of those do it the way that we do it, which is a non-competitive grant. So when you, when you come into the Sport for Professional Artists program, uh, you aren't, you're not submit, I mean, you're submitting your bio and you're telling us what you want to use the money for, whether it's to market yourself better, for supplies, um, to enhance professional develop, development, but um, you're not competing against the other applicants. Basically, mm -hmm. if you if you complete the form <laughs> and you meet the criteria, you'll get money. <laughs> um, right. And really, and I think that's the, you know that's a that's a really important service to provide to the creative community. Yeah, and I think uh, the other virtue of you guys, I think, is I've been to your uh, do you call them grant workshops? Yes. Uh, been to the workshops where you guys just walk people through. Here's how easy this is. And yes, there are sort of there are hoops, but if you qualify, there's no at, there's no point where anybody's going to tell you no. For artists, that is correct. So the organizational applications are a little bit tougher, but we do workshops for all of our programs, and um, you know, thank God for YouTube <laughs> and and being able to make those available for everybody. But yeah, we really we really try and provide every entry point that we can, um, and that includes down to the physical space. So. Uh, in the height of the pandemic in April of last year, we moved into a new office, <laughs> which we had been searching for for many years. Um, we are in a long-term lease at 182 East Long Street, and it's an historic building. Um, it used to be the Windmere, uh, the formerly the Windmere Motor Companies. It was like the only downtown auto dealership. Um, okay. And Brad DeHayes and Connect Realty did a really nice job in basically gutting this place and and making it. Um, a space that's not just for us, but a community space. So we have a gallery here that is focused on exhibitions by historically marginalized communities. Um, mm. It is called it is called the Loanne Crane Gallery at the Greater Columbus Arts Council. Um, she, as you know, has been a very longtime patron and supporter of the arts in Columbus. Uh, mm -hmm. And we also have a space and a couple computers for artists to come in and use. So these mm. are secure computers. If they if they don't have access to something where that you know to apply for a grant, um, we have that space for them during the workday. Gotcha. And are you guys are open now and we are and letting folks come in? Great. We we are. Uh, we have gone back to requiring masks if you're visiting. Um, okay. And the gallery hours are posted at gcacgallery.org. Um, we have a great exhibition up right now that was curated by Lynn Logan Grimes and uh, the King Arts Complex called Entangled Threads and it's fi uh, five fiber artists and it's really great. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more? You talked about sort of the mission of the gallery and, it, and exhibiting folks who are from marginalized communities. Can you talk a little bit more about your additional de DEI work? Absolutely. You know, I think we, as I say, you know, Historically, white privileged institutions um, mm. have have one had to accept and and acknowledge that in the past year, and also then begin the work that needs to continue is until it's as normal as breathing, or or the term is obsolete, right? And I hope to see yeah. that in my lifetime. But this is about ensuring that we're providing opportunities for Black, Brown, and Indi and Indigenous peoples, that women and LGBTQ and trans. Uh, communities have equal treatment and opportunities um, that all marginalized communities and individuals feel welcome, embraced, engaged um, by, by Columbus, by not just GCAC, but the arts community as a whole here. And so, 
you know, our work on that is completely cr across the agency, whether it's the festival or the arts campaign. We're looking at um, making sure that the, the faces that we put out there and the work that we that we support um, matches the demographic of our community uh, mm -hmm. as much as possible. And I think that's um, that's really important um, to let those folks know that they have a place here and that we and that we support them. And that applies to our organizations too, and supporting them in doing this work, um, mm -hmm. and making sure that um, they they have programs and are thinking and implementing diversity, equity, inclusion um, work throughout their organization. And you, I was actually going to follow up just a little bit. You guys have your diversity uh, and inclusivity statements on your website, and they are very forward. They say essentially what you just said, that we acknowledge that these institutions and art in general tends to come from a place of privilege and especially the audiences and the folks that support it. I wonder if you hold, while you are supporting organizations in following along with those ideals and those goals and those affirmations, do you feel like you have a responsibility to hold them to account as well in order to do that? Part of this work includes, uh, you know, our applications from organizations at, that they are, are that they have a place to tell us what what they're working on, and mm. so that we can track that progress. Um, it is um, it's it's going to remain one of our top priorities in making sure that not just we GCAC but the the rest of the arts community that we fund moves forward and makes progress on on diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. Absolutely. That's great. Do you want to talk about Art Unites Columbus and Deliver Black Dreams? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, that's one aspect, very public aspect of the of this investment and this commitment. Mm -hmm. um, Art Unites CBUS was born out of the protests um, over the deaths of, of um, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and so many other uh, black people at the hands of law enforcement last year and um, and you know, when the boards went up <laughs> throughout downtown Columbus and the short north and artists mm -hmm. really just sort of, um, you know, we sponsored a program here at GCAC and at the Ohio Theater along with Kappa um, where we paid artists. And then, you know, there was a lot, Heinz Company at the Huntington Center paid artists to come and paint. Lots of artists just went out to the streets and did it to, um, you know, really to share messages in in this time of turmoil, to share messages of love and hope. Mm -hmm. And we together, we can get through this, right? And that it's going to take all of us to make a difference here. Um, black folks have been fighting this al alone way, way, way too long. So, you know, as white allies, we have to do everything that we possibly can um, to not find us in, to not find ourselves in the same, like I look back at the, the, you know, the civil rights protests of 50 years ago. And, mm -hmm. and I feel like we haven't, we haven't barely moved the needle in many cases. I mean, you know, maybe the signs whites only have come down, but that is, that is not enough, right? That is, that is absolutely not enough. There's still, there's still far too much to be done. You know, I personally believe in reparations. Um, I understand that's a really, really sticky uh, thing to work out. But um, wow, we have so much work to do. We just gotta, we just gotta keep at it every day. Um, and um, I think that when we in those of us who are in the arts lane can use things like the Art Unite CBUS boards and all the murals 
that were put up last summer. When the Art United State bus boards started to come down uh, last year, we felt we could play a role in in mm-hmm. preserving them for a period of time and documenting them. And then can we take these back out into the community and other places where they weren't seen, right? Um, okay. And so we did a series of exhibitions late last year and into this early this year. And they're going back up in a few places um, as we speak that will then be up through November, um, mostly in sort of cube formations. Okay. Um, and there's a couple outdoor spaces um, that are up right now at the, the plaza that's just south uh, east of the Wexner Center by Mershon. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. And uh, the Columbus Library is going to have some inside. There's a couple other places, the Hale Cultural Center on OSU's campus, um, Thompson mm-hmm. Library, Fort Hayes will have some inside uh, and outside this year. And then, um, uh, did I say the library? So, yeah. yeah. So we have well, four. you're just naming all my old stomping grounds. There you so go. Oh, and CCAD. I That's love... what I'm forgetting. CCAD. I'm sorry. The, the Beeler Gallery is going to be going to have uh, a few of them inside too. And the, and the messages, they still, they resonate. They will continue to resonate. Um, I think, you know, for all of us. So they're Absolutely. great. They're a great launching point, discussion point. And it, you know, the deliver black dreams initiative, which was the brainchild of Marshall shorts and began sort of as a get out the vote, um, effort really, resonated with Councilwoman Shayla Faber and with the mayor and the city has invested in that. Um, and, you know, sort of one point of intersection is uh, a series of large scale murals um, throughout the community. We've just completed the second one of those. The first one was done on Fifth Avenue, just uh, west of Cleveland Avenue last, okay. last November. Uh, and then the one on Wilson Road, just south of Fisher, went up this past weekend. Um and they're both beautiful um and they're they're messages of you know this is if black li- if black lives matter then we must deliver black dreams right this, mm. this is the this is the aspirational step of 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 that idea um and that that movement the black lives matter movement that we we have to deliver black dreams the murals have been done by Lisa McClimate, Marcus William Billingsley, Shelby Harris so far and then Marshall Shorts is working on the next one um, which is going to be on Freebus, just w- west of Elm Creek. That's great, and that and that I mean, will be painted uh, mid-September. So, and in addition to the the message and the purpose of it, we're also creating more public art, which I think that you would absolutely agree is sorely needed. It is uh, in the community. Public, you know, it's funny, um, you know. We're not a city that has major iconic pieces in lots of places like Chicago and, and New York, et cetera. But we do have some really great public art and we have a lot more of it, I think, than people realize. Um, mm-hmm. In 2019, in late 2019, we launched the public art database as part of ColumbusMakesArt.com. And that actually is is also a statewide database at ArtsInOhio.com. But Columbus, um, Columbus alone has more than 1,200 pieces of public art. Um, there are some indoor collections that are part of that, like the Columbus Metropolitan Library and the State House. Um, but the vast majority in the convention center, the vast majority of them are outdoor pieces. Um, we're really growing quickly on the mural side. Um, mm-hmm. And we've got some good sculpture stuff underway. Um, I believe there's a there's a project at Gay and High that's going to be um, going to get going pretty soon. They just dedicated the Maker's Monument by Mark Riegelman in the Short North, which is a major sculpture at High and Hubbard. Um, and it's I really, saw it. And it's I have really a picture beautiful. of my daughter on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really cool. He did all of this like all of this 
laser cutting in this gigantic piece of steel that reminds me something out of uh, like I think it's like Superman's Fortress of Solitude. I think that that's what the shape looks like. That but all of the all of the shapes yeah. that are cut into the sculpture are things that Columbus has made throughout its history. Oh, so you'll see shoes in there and and buttons and like all the tiny little shapes that are that are laser cut out of that sculpture are things that have been made in Columbus at one point in our history. I had I had no idea. That's fantastic. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, so you know, we 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 there's two levels that that need to happen, right? You can you you we want to bring we want to bring Columbus artists along in whatever way we can in the skills and the and the experience to make more public art and not mm-hmm. just make public art here, but be able to make public art in other places. Um, mm. And when we and when there is a major piece of public art that is being done by an artist from someplace else. We've, you know, we're, we're doing really well, particularly the short North did a great job of this with the journey that's on the side of the graduate hotel, um, mm, the, yeah. which is, which is based on a Somali woman who lives here in Columbus, um, of providing training opportunities for Columbus based artists when those international artists are here. I mean, mm-hmm. um, those guys work on murals all over the world and for folks like Hakeem Callwood and Stephanie Ron and all our artists that we know do really good work anyway to have the opportunity to sort of get a get a peek at what it takes to do something of that magnitude is really important for their learning um, and their opportunities in the future. Well that's I mean I think that's great to make sure that like not only are you funding public art but you're as you said funding the artists as well yeah uh, and making sure that those dollars are making a local impact beyond just this looks great right so we are funded full disclosure and i think i probably said it in the intro uh we are funded by the columbus makes art campaign uh can you talk about sort of what that is also i'm interested how that got started sure and then i know it's extending into the passport project in the fall yeah. So one more thing about public art, though, before we move on, Please. which, which yeah. is, you know, it's all all of this is under ColumbusMakesArt.com, which which, the, you know, the great thing about that program, which started in 2015, is any way that we can encourage engagement in the arts, it fits in this umbrella under this umbrella. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's learning more about artists, um, finding events to go to, um, finding public art, uh, it, it all fits under that umbrella. So um we, uh, the public art database, which we launched in 2019, we always had visioned, uh, you know, it's mobile responsive, but it's not an app. And apps are really mm-hmm. useful in some instances. When everything sort of went crazy last year, um, there was a great opportunity that was sort of brought to me by the Can't Stop Columbus folks, um, mm. who did such amazing work in so many sectors. And uh, they helped develop the first version of an app for the public art um, database mm. and information. So that's called Art Walks. And if you go to ColumbusMakesArt.com and click on public art, you can see the links to whether you're on uh, Apple or, or Google Play Store and download the app. And we're getting ready to launch a next version in the fall, which will include art points of architecture, um, user profiles. You can find and save your, your own public art um, and the public mm. art that you love in Columbus. Uh, share it on social, that kinds of things. So we're we're working to make it more robust. But right now, it's a great way to explore by neighborhood. You know, find out what's mm-hmm. around you. Um, you know, you think I would I would bet that there's lots of people out there who are probably hundred feet or less from a piece of public art and they don't even know. It. So mm-hmm. find what's in find what's in your hood. 
Absolutely. So ColumbusMakesArt.com is all of these mm-hmm. things. It's sort of your one-stop shop to, to find arts events and public art and find and but it really began out, out of this desire for us to showcase the tremendous talent that's here in Columbus in all disciplines. Um, mm-hmm. And that and that you know that happens by telling the stories of artists and helping people understand where they get their passion, where they get their inspiration, how they do their work, what it means to be you know to be a performer at Shadowbox and how hard you work how hard you work your butt off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I couldn't be more proud of the work and in, and the. I'll, I'll use the word exposure, but they don't have to pay for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, and the exposure that we've been able to provide to Columbus artists, and a number of them have said, this meant the world to me. I've gotten jobs from this. People are recognizing me on the street. And, you know, I think it took a few years, but the first time that someone who had no connection with the arts, and it was someone I was just meeting, and I introduced myself, and they said, hey, are you the people with the Columbus Makes Art Campaign? That's so cool. And I was like, I love you. <laughs> you validated my work. Yeah. You know, when when people start to see well, we know in marketing repetition. We we were in that we were in that campaign for the long haul and we're going to stick with it um coming out of the pandemic too. Um it may end up looking a little different. We want to start to get into, you know, what are the artists doing now? Uh try and find different ways to highlight their work and their continuing story. Um, Mm -hmm. But we, but we stand behind the, you know, um, featuring these incredibly talented people, whether it's in music or writing or dance or visual arts. I mean, we really, we take a look at um, the artists that we're featuring, not just from the perspective of, of demographics, but also artistic disciplines and subdisciplines, um, mm-hmm. and trying to make sure that we're really showing the breadth and depth of the talent here in Columbus. Absolutely, and I think that you can see it even from the the artists that you guys have recommended come on uh, the Confluence cast as well. Yeah, you do. Uh, uh, you, uh, those have been some really great interviews. So they all credit to them. Absolutely. <laughs> so the Arts Festival has been on hold for two years correct <laughs> we did a bit we did a virtual version last year right um but this year you know we 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 didn't really feel many of the artists that we had juried into the 2020 show who we featured online some of them aren't making art anymore so, you know some of them okay. during the pandemic had to go do other things um mm-hmm. and so we really felt we needed to re-jury and um you know, and it's just been such a year of unknowns. Um, and, yeah. You know, we're sort of heading back into another period of unknowns. Um, the application opens for Arts Festival um, exhibiting artists in mid-September and closes in early December. And, and that's then, 2022? It uh, closes in early no, this year for the 2022 festival. Yes. And, yes. Okay. For the 2022 festival, we held a jury in late January. And, um, and then, you know, we start start placing artists this year it's um we have a new challenge in front of us because of the construction in the on the Scioto peninsula um we lost a good portion of the arts festival space um mm-hmm. that's the construction that's west of kosai uh so um we've been working with nri and we are going to be in the arena district um at least for okay. the foreseeable future uh, mcpherson park uh, and then long and spring streets and north bank park 
So if anybody remembers the Jaws and Ribs Fest when it used to yeah. be along, it'll be it'll be similar similar to that, probably without as many ribs. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we um, don't see as many festivals in that area, but it certainly happened before. Um, um, yeah, and it's really an interesting. It's it's such a drive by space. You know, we've been out and walked mm-hmm. it a couple times, and when you walk it, one, it's big. That median there between Long and Spring is bigger than you think it is <laughs> when yeah. you're just driving by. Um, and it's a really beautiful little park. There's historical markers, and there's it, it's just it's. I think it's going to be, um, a, you know, a brand new experience for us and for the Arts Fest. You know, from the State House lawn to the riverfront to the Discovery District, back to the riverfront <laughs> to the Arena District, it's just the next iteration in in our life, and uh, we're still, mm-hmm. you know, I think uh, it's going to be a great new way and new neighborhood for people to come and explore when they come to the Arts Festival. Absolutely, and I do think that there have been a lot of conversations, at least among people who don't plan festivals or do anything, like, "Hey, why why wasn't there Red, White, and Boom?" Why wasn't there Pratt? Why didn't Comfest happen? Like, why didn't that stuff happen? And the super easy answer is nobody had any time to plan. Like, you, this stuff doesn't happen even in a month. No. It happens over the course of a year. And I think you saying, like, you know, we're jurying artists starting next month for an event that's happening next. It's early June, right? The 10th, the 10th through the 12th in 2022. Yeah, that that. You yeah. need that much. Time. I mean, we we essentially start planning the next year's arts festival as this. I mean, we might take a few week breather there at the end of June <laughs> each year, yeah. but you know, it, it starts up again in July. Um, this is a festival that brings close to five hundred thousand people downtown, um, and that's the other reason we didn't feel in good conscience we could we mm. could do it. Um, you know, we're just not we're just not there yet in terms of uh, vaccine percentages and and our first and foremost priority is the safety of our patrons and our artists. Um, mm-hmm. And so we, we had to take that into, into account. Absolutely. I'm excited about this because I get to ask artists a lot. What is Columbus doing well and what is Columbus doing not so well? And as you know, you're not an elected official or anything, but you are funded by and a representative of a very public entity. And so I want to wrap up by saying, first of all, what do you believe Columbus is doing well? I think I, I think we collaborate really well. Um, I, you know, I think a great example of that is the passport program. Columbus Makes Art uh, Passport, which you'll hmm. be able to find on the ColumbusMakesArt.com site slash passport. Um, and that is 65 plus organizations who... In a in basically in a six week period of time, we've gotten all of these organizations to come together and say yes, we'll we'll do this thing, where mm-hmm. um, we have a, a free passport. It's free for organizations to participate. Uh, we engaged artists by getting them to design the stickers that provide the validation for visits, and then people donating prizes. And really, this is like fun stuff you can win. You have more mm-hmm. stickers you collect. Over the course of September and October, the more the more prizes you can win and the better prizes. We've got everything from signed artist prints to a hotel night at the Levesque with drinks at the Keep to a private screening at the Gateway Film Center for you and up to 20 of your friends, movie hmm. of your choice, pending availability. So we have lots of really <laughs> fun prizes. Um, the stickers are amazing. We're all having like a, ri- a ridiculously weird childish, childish reaction to um, and being excited about stickers. Um, yeah. Uh, but we collaborate well in Columbus. Um, and I think that being able to 
you know, pull together something like that in such a short period of time shows that the arts community enjoys working together, believes in these kinds of initiatives. Uh, mm -hmm. and, um, and so we're, we're super excited to, to do this this fall. We're a little bit building the plane as we're flying it, but it's been a lot of fun so far. So I That's feel like great. that. I feel like that about a lot of things, right? Um, yeah. You know, we do have a strategic plan, and we do move forward in a in a in a, in a very like um, thoughtful and and uh, dedicated way. But um, you know, we also are constantly looking for opportunities to um, to make our community better, stronger, uh, more vital and um, vibrant, and support the creative sector. So mm -hmm. um, you know, in terms of being able to encourage people to get out be tourists again in our own community and explore and support our arts organizations that are so vital to our soul um you know i i think columbus also does this well and that people here really love the arts are and are engaged in the arts so yeah well and i back to your you know we are purposeful but we also want to have these opportunities i think that's evident from things like how you pivoted in your grant funding and how the deliver black dreams project and the boards project, everybody kind of figured it out, you know, and you, you did what you had to do in order to remain, uh, not only a sustained organization, but, uh, one that was frankly relevant to what was happening. Uh, and if folks are interested your all your annual reports are online are. all your 990s are online and you mentioned it but your recently adopted uh strategic plan is also there as well it is. it is so not only are you you're doing all this stuff but you're also very open about it i mean if you're if you're going to be a public stu if you're going to be a good steward of public money um which mm -hmm. we strive to be uh you have to be transparent have to you have to be able to um, just lay, lay it open for people so that they can see what you're working on um, the benefit of being a, a private nonprofit with a small staff is that we stay nimble um, mm -hmm. we work hard <laughs> which keeps the days moving fast but we but we stay nimble and we and we can pivot which was the word of 2020 pretty much besides QR code yeah. um, to, to, <laughs> to, uh, to you know really respond to the needs of the community and the needs of our artists yeah the follow-up to that is what do you think Columbus is not doing so well? You know, I'd, I'd like to see us have a public art master plan for the city. Um, mm -hmm. We don't, we are of the top 15 largest cities in the country. We're the only one that does not. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that in order to really take our public art efforts to the next level, uh, that's, that's going to be something that has to happen. Um, so that we're not looking at it by neighborhood by neighborhood, but there's there's uh, you know a thought for the overall community and how each neighborhood can benefit, um, but you know overlaying it with other with other sectors like travel and tourism. You know, I mean the Philadelphia Mural Arts Program is such a boon to their tourism economy, but it's all, mm -hmm. but it also it also provides um, opportunities for youth at risk. It also provides, um, opportunities for, for young college students. Um, and it, you know, that's the kind of thing that I'd love to see Columbus have thing that, you know, really put, put us on the public art map as it were. As it were. Well, and I do like that that recommendation is actionable too. So Jamie, thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you, Tim. It's been fun.
Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite artist. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week. Thank you.